Thanks for listening to Marketing B2B Tech, the podcast from Napier where you can find out what really works in B2B marketing today. Welcome to the latest episode of Marketing B2B Technology, the podcast from Napier. Today I've got Stefan Hederbrandt, who is the co-founder and chief revenue officer of DreamData. Welcome to the podcast, Stefan. Thanks a lot, Mike. I'm, uh, I'm happy to be here. Fantastic. So can you just uh, start off by telling us a little bit about yourself and uh, how your career has taken you to found uh, DreamData? Yeah, uh, happy to. Uh, so uh, ever since I came out of uh, university, which is now more than 10 years ago, I've been working in, uh, you can say, digital B2B companies in uh, roles related to growth, sales, marketing, etc. Uh, before starting um, a, a co-founding Dream Data, I, I worked at, at a company called Airtame, where I was the head of marketing. And uh, there we went through this journey of like 15 to a little bit below 100 employees and zero in ad spend to 100,000 euros of uh, ad spend every month. And that really got me into this whole... Uh, attribution journey which i'm now 100 percent committed to because at airtime we were selling to to schools and businesses and i really really i i come from a like a line of thinking where like if you do marketing you do marketing to drive more revenue and since airtime was selling to schools and businesses we typically saw that a journey was would easily be like three or six or nine months long and there would be several stakeholders involved in the journey. And I desperately wanted to understand every time I put in another 10,000 euros into the machine, what came out on the other side. And I just have to admit that that was super hard to, to say anything reasonable about, uh, given uh, the tools I had available at the time. Which ultimately led me to <laughs> joining uh, my two co-founders, Lars and Ole, who I got introduced to from a, a local VC in uh, Copenhagen, saying that, hey, these two guys are actually solving this problem you're having. <laughs> and I think I literally replied this guy, uh, sure, I, I don't think they can solve this problem, but <laughs> I'm happy to meet them. And uh, that's kind of... <laughs> That's kind of how I met my, my two co-founders at, uh, at Dream Data. Uh, that's interesting because that sounds like a lot of that's about the uh, kind of uh, startup um, community in um, Denmark and particularly Copenhagen, which I believe is pretty strong. Yeah, I definitely think there's, there's this kind of uh, the first spark is important because then, you know, or the first success is important because then it kind of briefed people who've seen what a startup is like and know what's working and then suddenly they have their own idea and then they get together with other people that have their own ideas as well and have the experience to actually see a company going from just a few employees to yeah 50 or hundreds cool so i mean dream data was was obviously started to solve the problem of attribution do you want to talk a little bit more about exactly what you're trying to do at dream data yeah, so I think there's the topic of attribution is basically 
let me try to define it a little bit. It's basically understanding all the all the things that influenced somebody making a decision on whether to buy or not. And that's at least how I, I see it. And if you understand this, then you're able to repeat what works. And that's pretty nice in business because then you have a money machine. <laughs> Put in more money and you get more money out on the other side. Uh, and this attribution bucket uh, in my world then has three uh, different pillars. There's the companies who are trying to understand what happens on a mobile phone uh, or like in this app download environment. Then there's a B2C uh, a solution where it's more like typically e-commerce focused kind of if he buys this pair of running shoes, can I get him to buy more at a later point? And then there's this bucket of uh, B2B, which uh, Dream Data sits within. And this bucket is different because here we are trying to attribute actions to an account, uh, a company taking a particular action. And a company is a result of two or three or four or five people taking part of some kind of buying committee that all do several different actions moving towards them being closed one by a salesperson in uh, in the CRM system. So what we're trying to explain is really what, what takes place when one business is purchasing a product from another business. And presumably for you, the the challenge and the um, uh, the really interesting thing is, is this complexity in B2B. Yeah, it is. And I think, first of all, in B2B, you're selling to a team and you're selling as a team which means as i said when you're selling to a team there's multiple people involved it takes a lot of time and this completely breaks all the traditional tools that marketers would be using being google analytics facebook ads google ads etc all of these platforms are built to understand what what are the actions of an individual and the problem about this is that Marketing very typically ends up just looking like a cost center because the people who are starting the research that are starting this journey for your product, they typically always have a, a boss who have a credit card. And when the torch passes between those two people, all your spend envelopes looking like just pure cost because it was some other person who came in and bought your product directly. Does that make sense? Yeah. So, I mean, you also talked about the idea of the, the buying committees. So... I mean, I guess what you're saying is really the problem is is that there's a lot of people who influence the decision, but probably only one person who makes the purchase, and quite often that's not the purchase the person you need to be marketing to. Exactly, and um, we're then also at Dream that we're particularly talking about rev revenue attribution as opposed to just the traditional marketing attribution. Mm -hmm. uh, what we mean by revenue attribution is that. We, mean, we feel that in B2B, all touches matter. It's good to understand which ads started the journey, but if there's three months of conversations with customer success and salespeople in, in between the deal being won, then it's relatively stupid to just assign all the credit to the Facebook ad or the Google ad and, and mm -hmm. so forth. So we want to understand if any digital touch that touches the accounts before they become a customer of yours, we want to see that. And then you can make a decision on what kind of attribution model is important afterwards. But because essentially all attribution models will be wrong if it's applied to 10 or 20% of, of the whole picture. 
And when you talk about um, customers, are you thinking about, you know, potentially not just a, an entire company? I mean, because obviously measuring impact on a, a global multinational is very hard because typically a supplier is working multiple deals, but it would be groups within um, a large company would be your your definition of a customer. Oh, that's a good uh, good observation, Mike, actually. So so here we're kind of touching kind of one of these uh, B2B marketing quintessentials that our defined ideal customer profile, ICP, which is it's popular called, is like 50 to 500 employees, companies. And that's because of the reasoning you're saying there, Mike, that like if it's a 10,000 person company, then the world is extremely complex and it's maybe not, it's, it's hard to judge what's actually going on. What we're looking for is uh, scenarios where you can say kind of a closed loop attribution is possible, meaning that companies who do their marketing and acquisition of customers online, they have their salespeople who have sit in inside sales teams and calls customers, and then they deliver the product digitally as well, because then you, you have touches along all of the journey, as opposed to somebody who does some digital marketing, but then ships boxes through a reseller uh, of some sort afterwards. Because then the journey sort of breaks and then you cannot explain what's going on. So that's why the best fit for attribution are companies that has the opportunity to do some sort of closed loop uh, attribution. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. It sounds like you're saying that... um there's still areas where you're not able to solve that attribution problem. So very large, complex suppliers with you know um, third-party supply chains is still something you can't really address. Is that like fair? I mean, yeah, like uh, essentially, it's attribution is about knowing more, and you could probably lift those people as you mentioned before from knowing ten percent to knowing thirty percent or something <laughs> like that. But ideally, you want to lift them to knowing 60, 70 or 80 percent so that when they make decisions upon your data, they make more money. And, you know, in some instances, it's just too little uh, insight uh, that you get. Makes sense. Makes sense. So you talked about your, your ideal customer um, yeah. being that being this sort of mid-sized company. And you also said uh, typically delivers digitally because I, I assume that means that everything gets delivered direct to the customer rather than through a channel. Yes. So, like we like if we get really narrow, we actually prefer software as a service mm -hmm. because uh, here you have people logging into your product online as well. So now I'm getting a little bit technical, but the way we kind of solve attribution is that we we hand a script for people's website and this script assigns anonymous IDs to every visitor of the website and then it keeps a small logbook anonymized uh, about what is every person doing on your website. When this person then uh, identifies themselves, uh, meaning that they submit a form and that form can be a newsletter sign up, a demo request or it can be a login to the product, then we get consent to go back and look at what did you do while you were anonymous. So it could be that somebody who was actually a big influence on this journey, on this account, did not identify themselves before the product was bought and they logged into the product. So that's why it's really good for us to work with people who have some sort of 
online login because then after the fact we can go in and correct uh, the journey mm -hmm. so it's all about getting up you know to a higher percentage of knowledge really as high as you can get yes exactly interesting um you you talk a lot about journey so it, it sounds like um your view of attribution is is really based around understanding the customer journey is that fair <laughs> that's very true yeah so that re reflects back to what i said before the, f the first of all you need all the touches that has a digital touch uh, mapped because if you are applying an attribution model or looking at attribution only at on 10% or 20% of the journey like whatever conclusion you you might come to then afterwards is probably wrong so if companies are sitting out there listening to this i would say the first and most important thing to do is to to start digitalizing your behavior more uh, all the way from from simple things like if your salespeople are just cowboys with phones today <laughs> <laughs> they should start using a phone uh, like a calling software that tracks every time they call a number they call, they track to the account and it's tracked to the person that they're calling so it leaves a digital trace the same thing if you if you're doing your custom success in, in some random mail inbox you should probably move that into you know a customer success software and like little by little you start to create traces of all your actions because it's when you have all these digital touches that's when you can start to analyze what's the meaningful touches and what's the not so meaningful touches interesting i, I mean i'm intrigued because you're, you're building what sounds like a very customized approach to you know to, to the attribution model i i mean people talk about standard models like first touch last touch linear you know and more complex ones are they just wrong or do they provide some sort of approximation what's your view on that so again uh, let's let's uh, think about it as a uh, as a b2b looking at attribution models uh, well i can say so in b2c i think uh, like a last touch model what was the very last click before somebody bought something is can be quite relevant mm -hmm. like if you're buying a pair of running shoes, you want to see what ad put you on our, your website to buy that pair of running shoes. But this is just never ever going to happen in a B2B scenario because it's not a single touch world, it's a multi-touch world. So the very last touch of a journey of 500 touches is, hmm, yeah, I don't know whether it's interesting or not. My point being is that in this first and last touch discussion is that if what you attribute as the first touch of a journey might actually be the 20th touch on that journey you know what i mean mm -hmm. so it's a the mo it's most important thing is to capture the whole journey because if that what you think is the first touch is actually the 10th or 20th touch then you're actually not able to go back and replicate what got that journey started. Now you're making a decision on something that is leading you in a wrong direction. Interesting. I, I mean, it sounds like Dream Data's view is, is much more understanding what matters at each stage of the journey and optimizing that rather than necessarily trying to do a, an accountancy exercise of, of putting a value on each touch. Is that a fair assessment of, of how you view attribution 
Um, yeah, so kind of there's different layers to it. So if we'd say like getting the data, that's step one. Step two is that you can try to flip. I would say every time people is asking me what's attribution model to use, I would say, I'm always saying you should all use all of all of them before making any decision, because each model is just representing different parts of the truth. And then lastly, then then there's the economic value, which is like. <laughs> we're we're running businesses in a capitalistic world so we need to do more of what actually has a positive return on investment a positive return on ad spend so the money component uh, is extremely important uh, the credit component is very important that that you actually make decisions that are profitable for you and not lead you into like a wasting of uh, of money but it kind of comes in a hierarchy that you don't want to just assign credit to some touch if that touch is an irrelevant touch. <laughs> Does that, uh, that make sense? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, I think the simple answer basically is it, it, there is no magic number for value of each touch or what, what you do. It's about looking at it from different points of view. Is that fair? Yeah, I think there's... So the, now that's an, another point is that the value component is is tricky because we're like what we're doing is statistics you can say but some touch might be more important than others you can try to highlight that through different kinds of analysis but essentially only that one person that made the decision will be the one that can actually answer Mm -hmm. the question <laughs> like i really like that illustration or that salesperson did a really good sales presentation all of the touches will just be recorded as digital touches not weighted on the quality of the touch so so just unpack that what you're saying is you could have a touch for example a sales presentation that could actually be different in terms of impact depending upon who's delivering it you've got kind of a human factor there yes and that that that's the part where <laughs> computers and digital mm -hmm. uh, analysis will fall a bit short and that's why i'm saying you should think about it as a statistical framework more than necessarily representing 100% of the truth because you're never gonna get to 100% of the truth you can only strive to know as much as possible yeah and i think that that's a really great point i mean we see that a lot with digital you can get numbers that look super accurate you know two three decimal places and you think oh this has got to be right but actually th there's there's precision on the number and then there's accuracy of the number and yeah, sometimes and accuracy like, is wrong yeah let's say your all the website metrics looks super good one day and you didn't change anything but you did have like a, a super big interview in the guardian or something like that <laughs> there will never be any digital touch for for the guardian if it was just printed in the newspaper but all the metrics on the website looks looks better so it's just not everything that is caught in, in these uh, digital uh, calculations absolutely so, so when you go and see or talk to a new customer i, I i'm interested what, what sort of stage are they at are they typically you know do they have a model they're hanging on to that's not working for them or, or do they come to you and say look we really have no idea what's working so, so the ones we deal with are typically beyond the stage of having a website and having Google Analytics installed. But still, like 
let's say 90% are still still operating in a single touch understanding of the, of the world which in b2b with uh, and by single touches that they look at only the first record or the last record like first or last touch mm-hmm. which might not necessarily be the first or last touch it's just what it says in the original source field in the crm but all all b2b purchases are in a multi-touch world that the several stakeholders there's calls there's emails there's chats and so forth and almost nobody has a really has a legit multi-touch setup and that's a complex way of saying that the data that they're making decisions on is just wrong because like b2b is not single touch it's Mm -hmm. It's a lot of touches on a lot of different people. Interesting. So, I, I mean, the obvious follow-on question to this is, I, I assume people are doing single-touch attribution because it's easy. Presumably, one of the, the roles of Dream Data is pulling in data from all sorts of different um, systems. So that might be CRM, marketing automation, your chat software. Presumably, that's that's quite a big part of the product. Yeah. So... Talk, talk about you know where you pull data from and and um, you know maybe where sometimes you can bring in insights that are you know perhaps someone hasn't seen before because you're aggregating data from multiple platforms. Yeah, so there's two components here. I think let me just there's the website and what goes on there, and then mm-hmm. there's all the tools that you're using. Um, if we start with the website, just getting to a multi-touch approach on the website is hugely important. Because typically you'd see that uh, a person visits your website three, four, five times before they actually convert to like a newsletter or a demo sign up or something like that. If you're looking at a single touch, you're looking at him typing directly dreamdata.io into the browser and then converting to a demo call. But that person actually started his journey from an ad on LinkedIn or an ad on Google or something else. But that was the first visit he had to your website. And as that person now types in dreamdata.io directly in the browser, it looks like he came directly to your website. This makes you unable to actually do more of what actually starts journeys for your companies. And that's a, a huge loss. But that's just the multi-touch approach to the website. Mm-hmm. We then also plug into essentially every tool that touches your, the account journeys which typically will be uh, the CRM tool, Salesforce, Microsoft Dynamics, HubSpot, etc. And then some sort of marketing automation tool that sends mails to the leads and the customers. Then it can be like a customer success or like a chat software on the website. It can be an outreach software that the the BDRs are using uh, to contact new potential customers. It can be a webinar software, any kind of software that touches the journeys and are generating its own uh, data silos today. We want to plug it in, plug into them and then pull all the information out of it. So you're kind of building a, effectively a data warehouse of all the touches with those customers. <coughs> is, is, is that a fair way to describe it? Yes, so our, our, like the core of our product is a, is a database and this database holds all the touches that you have available on your accounts. And then our magical algorithms then <laughs> cleans the data and sort it so that all of these people who were 
looking like individuals actually get sorted into the same timeline and all the touches that they've had as well because then you can start to go and say hey we just want, want this 10,000 pound uh, customer what was the actual real first touch of this account oh it was actually this ad and we actually paid less for this ad than we made on the account then you can go back and spend more on on those ads right right that makes sense so I, I mean, I'm still intrigued about this pulling together all this these digital touches together. It sounds quite complex. Is is it a a very time consuming process to deploy Dream Data? It's not. Uh, it's not anymore, at least. <clears throat> you you know, when you do startup, you do <laughs> you start with doing something non scalable. But we've actually reached a stage now where kind of you can uh, sign up for our free product, then we create an account for you, and then you. You connect all your data sources, and the the next day you log in. With our algorithms have have done the first run, and uh, and then from there you will will speak to you about how is the data looking? Is there anything we can improve? So it's I think we're trying to do something that is extremely technically complex, but we're making it we're democratizing it so the marketers can actually do this with no code uh, involved. So, so all these integrations are all baked in now, and, and literally, you know, it's twenty four hours from signing up to to getting your first insights. Yeah, that's that's impressive. That, that's really cool. And that's kind of because, like, when you get to know all these systems better and better, you can standardize. What does it mean if this system calls it a customer and the other system calls it an account? How do we then join that in in our database? Mm -hmm. And that, this, mm -hmm. that process of standardizing all these integrations that we've we've been going through. Brilliant. And then, I mean, obviously, one of the difficult things is getting people up to speed with understanding your approach and understanding how to use Dream Data. Is it difficult to, to use Dream Data, particularly if you've come from a single touch attribution background, which sounds like most of your customers do? To be honest, I think this is one of our biggest challenges that people are used to looking at the world in a certain way and regarding some numbers from some tools as the truth. And now we're coming and saying, what made you look like a success before is not true anymore or the way you've been doing things are wrong. So this education of the market, because the, the, these B2B marketers are being asked by their CEOs to, to explain what is the best ad channel for us. If they start replying this, then they know that uh, Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, uh, Instagram, somewhere else has all touched that account. So by replying that one of the channels are better than the others, they, they know it's wrong. But the CEO is still asking, okay, the next 10,000 euros, where do we put them in? Because he's thinking in a singular, <laughs> single touch world. So there's a lot of education for us to do in making people understand uh, this. I think this is our biggest challenge, explaining this complexity. Interesting. How do you how, how do you achieve that with a, effectively a software as a service product? Do you do you have assigned uh, customer success agents, or how how does it work? So f I think we first of all we try to address companies who are a bit more mature in terms of understanding this uh, complexity. But we also are betting heavily on content. So we produce a lot of different content on, on the topic, ebooks, uh, podcasts, etc., to, to try to help people 
get more educated on it and self-educate them on what's the challenges so that when our salespeople meet uh, potential customers, there's actually a lot of information available on the website before the call. And if the customers are asking particular questions, then we have blog posts that the salespeople can send to the customers afterwards. Cool. So it's a combination of, of people and content seems to be the solution there. Yeah. Yeah. Now, you mentioned something very interesting. I mean, you've got what is a really complex product that's, that's I mean, just pulling the data together is, is a, a real challenge. And then you said um, you, you have a free um, version that people can try. I, I mean, does that mean that Dream Data is actually not that expensive at all? So for, yes, we have a free tier that, that has two purposes. One, it's for small companies who can like, get these insights for free. And then mm -hmm. it's for the larger companies to test what we can actually do with the data. So some can stay in free forever and some will uh, be bound for, uh, for paying at some mm -hmm. point. But I'm, I'm leaning towards giving a little bit more value selling uh, reply to your mm -hmm. <laughs> question. So the best of our customers are only wasting 30% of uh, their digital ad spend. That's the best of our customers. And then it get, only gets uh, worse from there. So if you think about like a company who's spending 50,000 pounds a month on ads, you know, mm -hmm. what is a high cost for like gaining back 20 or 40% of, of that spend? Absolutely, yeah. So, so the the opportunity to get a positive ROI is is huge because inherently these companies are spending quite a lot on advertising and don't know what works. Yeah, and like that's what's going on. To be honest, like Google Analytics, Google Ads, Facebook Ads, LinkedIn Ads are all not telling you the truth because they're looking at people as individuals, mm -hmm. whereas like the purchases are happening from an account. And that means that the revenue component is always detached from the cost component. Yeah. So, yeah, I think this this thing, I hope that I can find a really, really large microphone and tell all the B2B <laughs> marketers about. Yeah, no, I, I love that that concept that, that marketing and revenue are detached or, or somehow split in B2B. It's a, it's a great way of explaining the, the challenge of doing B2B marketing. Um, so I think that's brilliant. Yeah. That, that, that's the essential problem. And it's also why, you know, when a crisis comes, the first thing that's being slashed is this, uh, the, it's the marketing spend because mm -hmm. marketers have too little proof of revenue of their activities. Because like, we, can see, like, we can show to our customers that, hey, an average journey from the first touch on an ad until you win an account is 100 days. So by slashing 50% of your ad budget today, then three months down the line, four months down the line, you're going to miss half of the leads that you have today. Interesting. Interesting. And this, this yeah. information, B2B marketers, for the larger part, doesn't have, they don't have that available today. Yeah. So, so you're giving much more, I, I, I guess, much more solid data, more reliable data that's going to allow people to make uh, far better plans and, and justify what they do. It's really, there's a big... There's two things, knowing, there's, there's the knowing what to do next, because you can see from the data what's, what's the best decision. But then there's also just the proof for the salespeople, for example, that there's a lot of marketing touches on this journey, or there's to upper management, 
we spent this much money. This is how much, how many sales qualified leads we provided. Makes sense. That's, I, I mean, that's a really optimistic view, I think, of, of what Dream Data can do for marketers. Um, is there anything else you feel we, we should cover? I, mean, I think we've covered a, a, quite a broad range of, <laughs> of different things. And, uh, you know, finishing off by basically ensuring that the marketer can show their value and keep their job, I think is a, a real positive way to end. But anything you'd, else you'd like to mention? I would say there's two advices that I would give to B2B marketers. There's one start to always talk about why you do what you do in order to generate more revenue. So you should have a narrative of I'm doing this activity because XYZ will bring us more revenue. That's the one part. Always be able to explain verbally Mm -hmm. why what you're doing is driving more revenue. And then secondly, start building data that can prove that your story is true. So that whenever you do an experiment, you can say, I wanted to do this, and this is what happened. If it's a positive return on investment, you can double that investment the next time you do it. And if your boss is questioning how you spent your budget, you actually have proof that you delivered value. I think that's, that's great advice. I love that. Um, I, I'm sure there's people listening to podcasts who will be very interested in, in Dream Data and maybe trying it out. I mean, obviously, you mentioned... Um, the ability to actually, you know, literally go try it on the website. But if someone has any questions, what what would be the best way to maybe reach you and and ask you about Dream Data or anything you've covered on the podcast? Oh, that's just uh, go to LinkedIn and uh, and find me. That's where I spend. <laughs> I'm about to say spend most of my day. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Perfect. No, that would be great. And obviously, we'll um, make sure we put uh, the link to your LinkedIn profile in our show notes. Thanks a lot, Mike. Well, thank you so much for being on the the podcast, Steph. And it's been a really interesting discussion. I think we've covered an awful lot about data in a very short time. And I really appreciate your insights and, and, you know, the advice to marketers. Uh, Thanks so much for being on the podcast. Thanks a lot for the invite, Mike. I, I enjoyed it. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening to Marketing B2B Tech. We hope you enjoyed the episode, and if you did, please make sure you subscribe on iTunes or on your favourite podcast application. If you'd like to know more, please visit our website at napierb2b.com or contact me directly on LinkedIn.